Good morning, good afternoon, wherever, whatever time you may see us. We've got a special guest today. We've all had so many questions about Agora, Agora Capital, Agora Insight. Today, we got the CEO, Mr. Steve Burke. Thank you for being here today. Jeff, what we got? Uh, we talked to Steve about a lot of great stuff. We're going to go over the Agora products. Uh, if you're a buy here, pay here dealer, this is going to be specifically geared to you or if you want to get into it, if you've got a portfolio, if you want to build a portfolio, if you want to finance and or sell a portfolio. We talk about all that. We talk about Agora's line of credit um, and the first ever crowdsourced capitalization. Steve, introduce yourself to the independent dealer community. Sure. Hi, I'm Steve Burke. I'm the CEO of Agora Data, and um, we're really excited to be doing this podcast and also to talk about our very first crowdsourced securitization ever done, you know, anywhere in the United States or as far as I know in the world. Awesome. Here we go. Welcome to the Independent Dealer Podcast with hosts Luke Godwin and Jeff Watson, a podcast by dealers for dealers. Here we go. Crowdsourced securitization is um, we, we aggregate a bunch of originators into one securitization. And now I'll explain what that means. So traditionally, the way a securitization works is it's a basket of assets. Let's say in this case, subprime auto or buy here, pay here auto loans that are aggregated together by one issuer and then bond, uh, Wall Street sells bonds, and those bonds are secured by those loans. That's a traditional securitization. So if you think about Santander, GM Financial, you know, large finance companies, JD Byrider, you know, Tree Calore, they all do securitizations where they are the issuer, they issue bonds, they get the money, and that's how they finance their business. Same thing with banks. Bank of America does it but it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship, right? So it's Bank of America, bondholders. In a crowdsourced securitization, we aggregate dealers that would not normally be able to securitize into a crowdsourced securitization. So 20 dealers, we would put their portfolio into a capital market structure, sell bonds against that. So our broker dealer on Wall Street would sell those bonds then that money flows right down to the dealers. And, and, and it's, um, it's, it's a great question because it's never been done before yeah. anywhere in the world um, until we did on December 29th of 2020. So that, that is so interesting to me, that just the Wall Street side and the Main Street side, how, how <clears> you're <throat> able to, to combine that. I know y'all got so much data and, you, and you've gained this data over several years to, to produce this. Um, bonds are rated. Um, and I, I wouldn't necessarily figure that the this crowdsource securitization would be much worse than a lot of others. Can you go into that information? Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at who does securitizations right now, you know, in let's say the buy here, pay here space, right? You have Drive Time, you have um, Tree Color, you have JD Buy Rider, you know, those those kind of um, dealerships. Are, are doing a securitization. And, and the way bonds get rated, it, it's, it's the, the reason why they call it a securitization or structured finance is, and this is getting really in the weeds, but the way bonds actually get rated is when you have other bonds that are subordinate to the bonds above them. So if you think about an A tranche, the B tranche is subordinate, and then the C tranche is subordinate to the B. 
So when you build that structure, those A bonds are truly, you know, A bonds, even knowing they are supported by subprime or buy here, pay here loans. Very, very complicated structure, which is why, you know, a, a typical buy here, pay here dealer can't securitize on their own. Um, one, you know, they have to have a lot of paper, you know, yeah. like over a hundred million dollars. And two, they really have to have the sophistication in the modeling to structure a deal like that. So how many, this securitization, how many accounts, uh, loans were, were in this securitization? So in our December 29th, 2020 deal, and, and it's called ACAST 2020-1 is the official name of the deal. We had 20 different dealers in that deal, ranging in size from as small as $11,000. So that one dealer had two loans all the way up to more than $20 million and everything in wow. between. And, you know, people, people ask me, Steve, why are you putting a dealer in with, you know, two loans, $11,000? Cause it makes no sense, you know, financially to do that. Um, and we did it just for full proof of concept. To, to, to have that proof of concept that we could do it from the smallest of small to, you know, a $20 million, you know, dealer. Yeah. So how many, how many loans was it, Steve? Do you know off the top of your head? It was just a little under a hundred million. So it was, um, I, off the top of my head, I don't know. I, I want to say it's about 3000 loans. Mm-hmm. And Maybe so these more. loans that go into these securitizations, they, they then go out and they're serviced by, a separate entity, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we have or a, somebody. Yeah, we, we have a vendor relationship with Westlake Portfolio Management. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I go way back with Westlake. They're absolutely the best servicer in the United States, if not the best, one of the best. Yeah. Um, and then, then we use a company called Center Street Finance for Portfolio Management. So this way, the dealer's paper is not only serviced by you know, what I would call a best-in-class servicer, but then has a best-in-class portfolio manager sitting on top of that. Mm -hmm. So dealers like us, buy here, pay here dealers that say, hey, yes, I, I do want to participate. And maybe we should back up and let's start with that. Tell me the reasons why a buy here, pay here dealer would ever sell their notes off. Maybe give us some of the, of course, there's the obvious, like we want out of the business, we're done. We want to cash in our chips and head south or mm -hmm. maybe we're struggling and we're trying to liquidate. Are there any other good reasons why a buy here, pay here dealer would put their notes into something like this? Yeah, so, so first what we're talking about with our Agora Capital product, that's a financing. So the dealers are not selling their notes. They own their loans um, and get the full residual value from that. We have a product called Agora Trade which is where they actually sell their loans and they have no upside. So just to touch on that real quick, you know, Gore Trade, we've sort of a little history on me first. I, I, for the past 30 years, I've been a very active buyer, buying loans as principal in either the banks or, or finance companies that I ran um, and have bought many, many billions from buy here, pay here dealers and, and others. And usually when, when a dealer sells loans, it's for a variety of reasons. One, they just want out of the business, like you said, or two, they have infrastructure issues where maybe they can't grow beyond the size that they are. Uh, maybe they want to mitigate risk and not get that much bigger. Um, but when you sell loans, the, the loans are sold and there's no more upside. 
so you limit your downside, loans are gone. Right. You have a little bit of a recourse period after that, loans are gone, but you have no upside with those loans. Um, our Agora trade feature matches hedge funds and family offices with dealers that want to sell loans. So they get more money than you would normally get from a typical strategic finance company. Yeah. Gore Capital is a financing. You're not selling the loans. So they're, they're pledged into a trust and then securitized. And there are a tremendous amount of upsides. One, you get an advance, and that advance that you get is, is called non-recourse. So if you think about a traditional line of credit when you borrow money, you have to true up every month with ineligibles. So if you have loans that go maybe over 30 days or 60 days, you know, they have to come out of your borrowing base and you have to either replace them with other loans or put in cash and always keep that borrowing base trued up in a traditional, you know, financing. In the securitization, there's no such thing as, as that. It, it's non-recourse. So if the dealer gets, let's say, a 70% advance of the principal balance, that advance never goes back into the securitization. It's non-recourse. So, so one advantage is it's non-recourse. So you don't have all that downside risk. The, the second advantage is you have full upside risk. So all of the cash flow from those notes are still owned and belong to the dealer. Hmm. The, the, ne the next thing is, and, and, and this is probably the single uh, biggest advantage to, to a securitization, it's the most abundant, elegant capital that anybody can get. There's a reason why banks and Santander and GM Financial and they all use securitization is because it's, it's abundant, number one, and it, it's very elegant. It's a low cost, low rate financing. So, so for a dealer that maybe is paying in the high single digits or the mid double digits for their money, you know, like 12, 13, 14%, you know, we're half of that on rate. And the single best reason to, to take part in the securitization is, you know, if you have a deal that has a $3 million credit line, you know, we would be giving them a $9 million facility. So it's typically triple what the dealer currently has in some kind of a credit line or warehouse line, you know, and, and that's the biggest single selling point is if you want to grow your business, it's the only way to grow your business unless you have millions of dollars of equity you know, on, on your balance sheet. So Steve, let me wrap my head around this real quick. The securitization has nothing to do with, with one company or this conglomerate buying your portfolio. You're keeping your portfolio, you're getting a 70% advance on the principal of your portfolio. And then it, there's opportunity for back end on this as well. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, let, let's imagine you have a million dollar portfolio. And let's imagine that that has a 25% interest rate. And let's imagine for a minute, there's no such thing as loss, which we all know, you know, there's going <laughs> to yeah. be right loss, but yeah. let's just to keep simple math here. So if you have a million dollar portfolio and we advance you $700,000, that leaves 300,000 of principal remaining. And that leaves 25% interest on the entire million. 100% of that cash flow belongs to the dealer and is paid to the dealer monthly minus the interest rate that we charge and minus the servicing fee. So, so if you think about it for a moment, the full upside minus the interest rate and servicing fee is kept by the dealer.
and it's paid monthly and there's no you know you don't have to aggregate a certain amount yep. or anything like that it's it's if a dollar comes in a dollar gets paid that's uh, okay i got it now it makes makes a lot of sense and actually it sounds like a pretty good deal for both sides what uh <laughs> is each dealer have a different interest rate or is it just based on the securitization yeah and that, you know what that's luke that's that's a really great question so the technology that we developed at Agora. And the, the only reason that this is even possible is because of a lot of the AI technology that we have and a lot of the data. You know, we have data on probably about $13 billion worth of loans right now. Um, we have many billions currently on our platform. And, and what we've been able to do is really, with a, with a very fine scalpel, understand the loss curves and the prepayment curves and, and, and build that at the dealer level. So one dealer may pay 6%, another dealer may pay six and a quarter, another dealer may pay 675. It's all gonna be, you know, we're not like your rediscount lenders out there where it's gonna go from 6% to 18%. It's all within, you know, a six to a seven range, but it will vary based on um, the analysis we do on loss. Are there any, um are there any charges like hidden charges of where you need to uh, have audits every year um, like traditional lines of credit would have? Yeah, you have to have audits every year, but we don't charge for it. Um, the only, and I don't want to call them hidden charges because they're definitely not hidden charges. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is, I is, your normal, is your normal pass-through fees like repo fees and stuff like that. The only thing that we actually mark up is the repo fee gets marked up slightly, $175. But other than that, um, everything else is just a, a true pass-through. And where does that repo go? Does it come back to a dealer if that happens? Uh, no, it goes to the auction. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, it goes to the auction. Now we have, we, so we have an interim sort of vehicle that we call our LSV, which is just a loan servicing vehicle that loans go into to sort of gestate for 30, 60, 90 days before they actually move into the securitization. When they're in our, what we call our LSV vehicle, then yes, the dealer can have back the car. Once it goes into a securitization, um, it, it really has to be sold you know, properly through an auction. Right, and I, I understand it actually, it's probably beneficial to a dealer for that car to be sold through Westlake's channels at the auction. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and not only that, Luke, we, we have a lot of analytics that show first loss is best loss. Um, you know, a lot of times a dealer will take back a car and recycle it, and I get that, that, you know, that may be their business model. But we have a lot of data that shows the first time you repossess it and sell it again, you'll have a higher default the second time. And then if you do it a third time, you'll have a much higher default. And then the fourth time, you know, it, it's just a daily rental. So, you know, that said, typically first loss is, is best loss. Yeah, I've got some of those that are going on there for lifespan. And yeah, we don't, yeah. Uh, don't anticipate them being out there that long. But, you know, you know, the real interesting thing about it is we, we triple a dealer's revenue with, with our program. So getting back and recycling a car, it, it, it's almost like penny wise, pound foolish, I, I like to say. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're a dealer and you're booking 50000 a month in revenue and now you, you start booking 150000 a month, you know, getting back a couple of cards here and here, here or there is really, you know, not relevant. Hmm. So 
if I wrap my brain around this to summarize the securitization part, me as a buy here, pay here dealer can pledge some amount to the loan servicing vehicle. You'll take my loan, service them for 60 to 90 days, kind of as a, uh, you know, a honeymoon phase. Um, but at that, and then once they move into the securitization, there's up to 70% paid out upfront, no recourse. And then you've got the back end 30% that may or may not come in, depending on how your portfolio performs, minus interest rate and servicing fees and repo fees and losses. Right. So and the only thing you left it. out, the only thing you left out is that the interest on those loans also comes to you. So it's not just the, oh, okay. not just the principal. Okay. Yeah, it would be the 25% APR on the full you know, portfolio is yours mm -hmm. as well. Okay. So as a dealer, if I say, hey, I know historically how my loans perform. I expect this kind of a loss ratio or maybe even better because maybe Westlake is better, more aggressive, whatever than my collectors have ever been. Um, that should be my benchmark of what I'm going to lose. So here's the potential that I'm giving up by letting these guys have it or, or not the potential I'm giving up, but maybe my deferred amount or what I might, but I'm getting this money up front now to continue to grow and make my next package of securitizations that I'm going to sell off in 12 months or something. Yep. That's kind of the, yep. the way the dealer could look at it as a, and the benefit to that as opposed to just selling is there's basically no back end participation. So any of you guys who are CAC dealers, credit acceptance, they have kind of two similar programs where they have like their, Oh yeah, sell your note. We're going to give you a huge discount up front. Mm -hmm. Or we have our collection only package where you might participate in the back end, but you're going to pay all these collection fees probably a similar sounding program, but you guys yeah, obviously do it a lot cleaner and in groups. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it, there's a lot of intangibles to what we do too. So if you, if you give thought to your typical buy here, pay here, or, or just an independent dealer, they do not have um, real franchise value in their dealerships, right? So, you know, if you're, a, if you're Joe's, you know, auto sales and you want to retire, or you want to sell your business for whatever reason, most likely someone coming in to, to buy your company will look at the vehicles on the lot and they'll value them, right? So let's make believe you have a half a million dollars worth of vehicles and you're in them right, and they'll give you a half a million for that. And maybe you have you know, a $3 million loan portfolio that they'll figure, well, they're only going to give you $2 million for that. So you'll get $2.5 million and you know, walk away after you pay you know, off your lenders. And you don't really get any blue sky like franchise dealers get. So what happens in a capital market structure is the loans are no longer on your balance sheet. What's on your balance sheet is a residual certificate from a, a capital market structured deal. And, and that certificate adds value, franchise value, because it's now part of a structured finance deal. You know, the, the best example I could give you is I was a buy here, pay here dealer, you know, many, many years ago. And I opened my first finance company back in the, the late 80s. And I did a securitization where I raised $5 million and I paid $1 million to do that. And everybody said I was crazy at the time, including people in my family. And I probably was crazy, but I sort of was sold on the idea that once I'm in the capital markets, the intangibles that, that are available to me would be just so valuable. So I did the securitization 
And two months after I did the securitization, I got a $50 million equity investment in my company from a, a rather large Wall Street firm that would never have even known about me had I not been in the capital markets. So to be able to say that Joe's Auto Sales, and I hope there's no Joe's Auto Sales on this you know, call, but I'm just using it as a name, to be able to say that Joe's Auto Sales with $3 million can be in the capital markets and recognized in the capital markets adds an unbelievable amount of um, intangible or franchise value to their dealerships. I think that it's huge. I think that bringing this space to Wall Street is probably, I mean, it's not the first time, but to, to do what you did is, is pretty unique because they probably know we're out there, but they don't know how big we could be. And I think this could bring on a lot of different different avenues and different uh, different ways for buy here, pay here to, to compete against uh, drive time. That's a dirty mm-hmm. word. Drive, drive time and uh, JD Byrider, which I mean, we all competed against them, but I, I really, I think that's great. Look, I, I like to say, you know, and, and nothing against companies like BlackBerry or Blockbuster, right? But, you know, to me, traditional way. So, so car dealers, we started Agora because I, I've always believed that the car dealer was an underbanked, underserved, and improperly treated borrower of money. And, and when you think about, you know, businesses that are at risk, right? Restaurants and bars are, are, are very high risk to lend money to. And then car dealers are, are considered a high risk too. But car dealers are some of the best entrepreneurs on this planet. I mean, they really are. I mean, I was one of them, you know, and, and, and car dealers are, are the best entrepreneurs, but yet treated very unfairly in being able to borrow money, paying high rates of interest or, or really tough loan covenants, right? Balance sheet tests, EBITDA tests or tangible net worth tests. And, and then you see dealers going in and out of business all the time. And yeah, Wall Street knows the buy here, pay here dealer is there, but they can't access them because it's too small. It has to be aggregated, right? Wall Street's not interested in writing a check under $100 million. There's not a lot of buy here, pay here dealers with $100 million. So what happens in, in the crowdsourced nature of what we did is it's the only way that somebody with a million dollars or $5 million or $10 million can access Wall Street, get that abundant capital, not have a personal guarantee anymore, not even have balance sheet tests. We, you don't even, we don't even have a tangible net worth test one, once the deal is done because it, the balance sheet, as crazy as it sounds, becomes irrelevant to the structure. Yeah, yeah. That's what's so interesting about, uh, I mean, guys that are listening to this, if you are a buy here, pay here dealer, however you got into the business or got your capital, or if you're trying to get into it, you know that banks look at us like absolute crooks. And I've bounced between three different banks. And recently the one that said to me, hey, you know, it was a local bank that got out, bought out by a regional and you know what's going to happen then. All the regional guys look at it and say, oh, whoa, 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 what is this loan here? Secured by subprime auto loans? I don't think so. We got to kick that thing out as soon as possible. So my banker comes to me and says, no, thank you. We don't want your loan anymore. And I said, I've paid you perfect for five years and all of a sudden you don't want my money. And I look at other local banks and it's the same thing. You want a line of credit based on subprime auto loans? What are you, crazy? You know, or you want to do what with this? And it's such a dirty, ununderstood industry that they think is so horrible. Um, 
what would you give advice for guys, dealers that are trying to get started? You know, maybe they have a couple notes on their books, but they want to grow. They don't have enough to sell, but they want to get access to like a line of credit or capital. Is that something they yeah, come I mean, to can, you guys for? Yeah. Can Agora help the small guy? Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast. Uh, real quick, our sponsor this week is hey, us, oh, my. Independent Dealer Podcast, guys. <laughs> so be sure you are A, sharing this with a friend and B, leaving us a review on Spotify or the Apple Store, right, Luke? Yeah, and, and just Jeff, it is so important that we that we get out there, right? Um, dealers need education. So we're not doing this for us. We're doing this to try to help. So um, if you ever need us to reach out to us, if you ever need us for anything, mm -hmm. um, we probably know somebody that can help or we can help. So um, we're here to help y'all. Huge. And our email is info at theindependentdealer.com. It's in all the show notes stuff. So Luke, should we get back to the episode? Let's do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we, we recently came out with, and I say recently, we did our first credit line a week ago, Monday. Um, mm. So we, we came out with a program called Agora Credit. The reason why we came out with Agora Credit was not only to, you know, exactly the scenario you just painted of a guy just getting started in business. Um, Agora Credit is a feeder into Agora Capital, right? Because Agora Capital is, is the lowest cost, least restrictive financing that any dealer can get. I mean, let's face it, banks get their money from the capital markets. So, you know, why even go to a bank when we could take you right there? But what we had was a problem because you've got banks and you've got rediscount lenders in the space today that don't want to allow their borrowers to refinance their portfolio into Gore Capital, right? If you're a lender today and you're, you're collecting 13%, you know, from your borrower, the dealer, and that dealer calls you up and says, Hey, I want to refinance my loans with Agora at six and a half percent. That lender is going to make it as hard as possible. And I understand that. I mean, they're protecting the turf. They're going to make it as hard as possible for that car dealer to leave. So what we've done is we've, we've come out with Agora Credit, which is a very easy to get credit line, a traditional line of credit. We're the lender. So it's directly from us. And you could transition then from your high cost lender that you have today into Agora Credit, which is similar in cost to what you have. And then two months later, transition that right into Agora Capital. So, so if you think about it, you may pay 13%, I'm just making these numbers up, you know, 13% to your current lender, get Agora Credit and pay 10 to 13% for that, or maybe a little bit more, but that's only for two months. Mm. And then go right into a program where you're at 6%. So, so the interest rate savings are, are phenomenal. The, the other big benefit that I mentioned is you may have a $3 million line of credit right now with a lender, right? And we give you a $3 million Agora credit line to replace that. But then we give you a $9 million facility to grow, you know, to $9 million. And, and not only that, we, and this is going to sound crazy, but when we started Agora, it wasn't, our goal was not making money. Our goal was creating community and creating a, a place for buy here, pay here dealers to thrive and, and, and small finance companies to do the same. And then by default, we'll make money. <laughs> and we are. So, so our goal was first to help the industry 
and then we know we'd make money. So we put in place the who's who of compliance, the who's who in legal, the who's who in accounting, digital marketing teams, social media teams, inventory acquisition teams, customer attention teams, and we, all of that is available to any Agora member free of charge. We charge nothing for those services, and we provide all of that you know, to, to our members. That's actually what I want to talk about next was uh, the data that y'all um, y'all have uh, access to. And so um, I've been approached and, and I think a number y'all have maybe relationships with a number of DMSs. Um, uh -huh. What's the, I know the benefit maybe long term is to, for y'all is to get dealers who use the data to, to come on board. Uh, what's the, what's the idea for the, the buy here, pay here, person who really never looks at trying to get capital, why should they be using your product to look at their data? Sure. So, you know, first of all, we don't charge a dealer anything, right? So they could come onto our platform. There's no contract. There's no credit card. Um, and it's very simple to integrate. You know, we have 11 dealer management systems that we're API digitally integrated with or connected with. Um, so, so a lot of, lot of benefits, like to start with our Agora Insights platform. Agora Insights, we created the first ever book value for loans. So first of all, a little bit background on me, I've bought more than $20 billion of this paper through my 30 year career. Um, so I bought a lot of paper, so I have a lot of data. And, and not only do I have that data, we have you know newer data too. And what we've been able to do is uh, you guys are car dealers and, and others on this podcast use different value guides all the time, whether it's Mannheim or Black Book or NADA or JD Power now they're called or, or whatever guides you, you, know, you use as a car dealer. The one guide that nobody had was a book value for a loan. Doesn't exist. So we built this unbelievable, it's called a Monte Carlo probability model and put a bunch of machine learnings, machine learning models around it or modules around it. And we ingest so much data and analyze that data and every day run 10,000 probabilities on each loan on our platform and push the information back to you. So, so we'll pull a JD, by, a JD Power, um, I know I can't use the word NADA anymore, but we'll run an NADA value will run those 10,000 probabilities and then push back to the dealer real time a value for that loan or a value for their portfolio. Doesn't exist, so it helps them value it if you want to sell loans. It helps you discount between the dealership and the RFC. You know, it, it, it really provides a lot of insights there. Full stratifications, we, we have uh, on, on Agora Insights, the ability for you to shuffle between two loans and see why one loan is more valuable than the other. So you can go ahead and prospectively now originate slightly different, maybe to increase your value. Um, we have insights on there of which loans maybe to work a little bit harder than, your, than, than another loan to also increase the value. It's all value driven. Um, on Agora Insights, what's that benchmarking? So if you're a dealer in, you know, South Carolina, and you want to see how other dealers in your market are doing compared to you. It's, it's totally anonymous, right? 
So you're able to see their APRs, their loan to values, you know, and all, all other relevant information. Um, and then to a, a lesser extent, we're, we're a great disaster recovery backup tool. So when your data is, is sitting on the Agora platform, if something happened, you know, some of the systems out there are not cloud-based, we are. Um, so you have great disaster recovery and, and backup, you know, as well. Um, so I, I think by pushing insights and, and analytics back to the users, it gives them stuff if they want to, you know, sort of have that scalpel to, to really understand your portfolios and, and how to make them better. Steve, and that's just, again, free. Steve, the one pushback I was given to, uh, to y'all when, when we, were, we were talking about getting involved in this was, it's my data, you know, it's, it's my customers, it's, it's all this stuff, and I'm just, and I've spent a lot of money to, to get them. And I'm just kind of, I'm taking that data and giving it to y'all to analyze. I'm afraid the next thing I know, y'all are going to be marketing to my customers. Does that go on? Is that something that somebody should be afraid about? No, not at all. Our terms of use prohibit us from doing that. Um, none of your data leaves our shop, period. Um, and and we're, we don't use your data to market to anyone. First of all, we don't market to consumers. Um, you know, we're, we're strictly dealing with dealers. We'd be violating our own terms of use and terms of services if we did that. Um, so we just don't do that. There's nothing, nothing that we sell to a consumer to even think about doing that. And, and Luke, your data is currently sitting on your DMS. There's no difference between whether it's on DMS or on Agora. Yeah, I looked at it like, Luke, I know I had that same concern. And, and the reason I'm looking up, if you're watching this on YouTube, is I'm going through my Agora dashboard, which I rarely ever do ever since I got set up. But it is so interesting, as Steve talks about, I wasn't slicing and dicing my portfolio like this. I didn't have the ability to do these kind of valuations and these comparisons and to look. And it's like, man, I go through their stuff and I'm like, geez, Louise, I'm 16% Ford, 14% Chevy, 9% Dodge, 7% Toyota. Here's my body style breakdown. Here's the age of my collateral. Here's my seasoning, my delinquency. It's like, well, I didn't have any of that stuff. I don't even think that, I don't even think my DMS can spit out this stuff in, in this. It can, I if it can. I was a, if I was yeah. rocket science and I could run their reports, but <laughs> these guys give it to you so simply. Um, so anyways, super interesting. And Steve, let me back up and ask you one question. A follow up on that line of credit. You said the line of credit was available for two months and then it goes into the capital markets. Is that does it have to go into the capital market? It's not so, an open revolving line of credit that we can have it, access it to through Agora. Yeah, no, it's an open revolving line of credit. It, it, when I say good for two months, you know, it, it's a 12 month commitment mm -hmm. of a line of credit. But what we want to use it for is the feeder into Agora Capital because okay. that's the lower purpose. cost financing. That's okay. the sole the sole purpose of the line of credit is is really just one of two things, right? It's to get you away from your lender if they don't want to let you refinance. You know, if they mm -hmm. if your lender currently wants to let you refinance, there's no need to to leave them, keep a relationship with them by all means. But if okay. they won't let you refinance at a lower rate and you're tired of working for your lender at a high rate then you know that's what agora credit does it, it it easily transitions you into the capital markets yeah so tell me if i'm wrong steve but if i look at this as a buy here pay here dealer so for myself i can i'm tap i don't have an additional line of credit right as i talked about earlier the bank said hey no no so we don't like you no more um so i can only self-fund i think i'm like 
25 deals a month, right? That's kind of what I can self-fund my buy here, pay here with my cash flow. So I'm almost limited to doing that amount of deals. But if I really wanted to put the pedal down and grow, I could almost use you guys as, as a buy here, pay here, quote unquote lender and say, hey, I'm going to keep my 25 loans here. I'm still going to put 25 loans in my portfolio. But what I'm going to do is an additional 10 or 20 that, you know, quote unquote, will be pushed over to Agora's capital program and they'll be serviced by Westlake down the road. But it would be the same as me sending those buy here, pay here's to Lobel or Westlake directly or CAC. Is, is, am I wrapping my head around that right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's better than sending it directly because you keep the upside. Yeah, yeah, but, oh, yeah. But, 100% but, better. But I'll why say you, no to those buy here, pay here's when I, I have to say no to them now because I don't have the capital to do those deals. I'm limited to my 25. You guys would allow me to say yes mm -hmm. to those people that I'm turning away or be more aggressive with my marketing because I do have this overflow or this backup capital source. Yeah, I'll give you a, a great case study. You know, we had one dealer in our last deal, in our first deal and last deal on, on December 29th that had a $12 million portfolio, or excuse me, uh, a 12, yeah, $12 million portfolio was at max. They were, they were paying 13% to their senior lender and they could only originate their runoff, right? And their, their runoff was about 2% a month. So they could originate about a quarter of a million dollars a month. But, and that was it. That, that, so basically they were treading water at $12 million, maintaining 12 million all the time. So we moved their $12 million into our ACAS 2020-1 deal, our securitization, and paid off their senior lender. They kept their senior lender, right? And now, since December, they've already originated another $3 million. So by the end of this year, that $12 million that they were maxed out at and treading water by the end of this year, they're planning on having 24 million. And all the revenue from that 24 million comes to them. So mm -hmm. it, literally they were treading water, doing very well, making good money on the 12 million, and now doubling their revenue this year to, to make revenue from 24 million. And actually reduce their expenses because of the servicing. That's what I was gonna say. Their servicing costs were higher. Did they, were they able to get rid of their collections team? You have that big of totally. a portfolio, you probably have five or six collectors and a yep. mess of hiring and training. And that, that's can, gone. Can I ask, since we're talking about collections, um, I don't want Westlake servicing my accounts, right? Um, I'm not in a position where I, I've got to go get capital. But if I were, um, and I just built this process to where I believe that I service accounts. I think I service accounts better than Westlake. Maybe I don't, but I believe I do. Um, is there a way around that or is that just the way it is? No, it's the way it is. And, and there's reasons for it. So, you know, when you do a securitization, there's a lot of reasons why a car dealer of, of a certain size can't securitize, right? They, they don't have the asset size. They don't have the balance sheet. Um, and maybe not the sophistication in the servicing to be able to satisfy Wall Street. So, you know, I, I hear from a lot of dealers that I service better or I don't service better or I want to keep my customers or, or whatever. So, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the way I explain that is, you know, first of all, 
you know, it, it's really not relevant who services better. And, and I'll explain that. It's going to sound crazy, right? But it's really not relevant if the game plan is to make money. Because if, if your growth is capped at the 12 million example that I gave you, right, earlier on another dealer, and they service fantastic. And on that 12 million, their revenue was two and a half million dollars a year, right? And now we get them $5 million a year in revenue. Servicing is not relevant. They're making so much more money. The other, the other thing that I like to talk to dealers about is when you think about risk factors on regulatory issues and legal issues, right? Especially with our new administration and the CFPB is going to get much more active and, and, and other state agencies, or not other, but state agencies will get more active. You know, car dealers have lots of risk factors, right? How you sell the car, you know, how you advertise on the internet, you know, what you do when you're closing the deal and financing it, how you move that loan from the dealership to the related finance company. Those are all risk factors, right? And then the other risk factors you have are how you service it, how you manage your GPS, you know, what you do. What So there's not much we can do because you do sell cars, right? So we can't, we can't do that for you. But the servicing part, you're mitigating all of your risk by moving that off to a third party, all of your risk. So, and then I could go on and on about servicing better. So, you know, we just went through COVID, right? And we had dealers that had only two collectors and both were out sick. So who collects their accounts? You know, there's no redundancy. There's no backup plans. So, you know, all of that gets eliminated. And then most importantly, I've worked with a lot of services. I started a large call center for BB&T, you know, when I worked at BB&T. And, 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 you know, the, the, the issues you know, with, with servicing are everybody thinks they do it better until they see what all the technologies there are, you know, out there to service and all of the, 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 the work that goes into doing that as, as efficiently and smoothly as possible. And, and you'd be surprised at, at how it's done. One of, one, one of the, one of the um, pretty, pretty amazing things that I also speak to dealers about is, we at Agora Capital, unlike when you sell loans, we want you to keep a relationship with your customers. Do not give up that relationship. Completely service them. Just don't collect from them. And there's a big distinction, right? Don't send them a 30-day past due notice or repo their car or don't do the nasty stuff, but do all of the good stuff. Do all of the customer service functions that, that you should be doing, but don't do the collection functions. That doesn't really help you anyway, right? It's, it's always a nasty conversation. It's adverse. What, what is the uh, collection cost? What's the percentage? Can you disclose that? Um, you know, I ran that on the podcast. I mean, that's something I would like for folks to talk to us about because it, it's not just so, and, and I want to explain. So it's not just collections or servicing. So, so the, the reporting, like, like Jeff, you just said you went to our website and you looked at some of the stuff, but the reporting that happens with servicing is so granular and so informative. There's probably 50 to 60 of the most cutting edge 
reports that we make available on a real-time basis. When you log in, you will see everything there is to know about those customers real-time. Mm. So it's not like you're in the blind on anything. You know, you're, and I mean, it's, it's so important that you're involved in all that because they're your loans. Yeah. You, you did not sell the loans. They're your loans. So we want you involved. And then lastly, you know, about servicing. So we're as concerned, if not even more, than our dealers about servicing to make sure it goes well, because we, we, we are putting our rubber stamp on what the performance of that securitization is going to look like. And a big part of that is servicing. It's not just the underwriting. So when we put that rubber stamp on it, we're just as concerned to make sure that it performs well. Yeah, I think about uh, sometimes I, I think I can service better than like, uh, you know, I look at my CAC portfolio and what credit acceptance collects on and I'm like, what is going on? Why is this so horrible? I could have collected on these people better. But what I forget is those are actually the people I didn't want. And that's why I gave them to CAC, <laughs> whereas opposed to with you guys, you would be taking you know, people that I would typically do, I would think that they would just be a better caliber of customer. I don't see why y'all couldn't collect the same I would collect. One question we had, Steve, that the dealers wanted to ask, does any of this apply or does Agora, um, do they service or deal with uh, lease here, pay here dealers? Yeah, not yet. Um, we'll, we'll look at that probably in the third quarter of this year. Um, you know, lease here, pay here has been you know, coming on on and off strong for years, right? It seems to, you know, develop its life and then fade away and develop its life and fade away. But yeah, we we recognize it's an asset um, that we're going to want to deal with. So so probably in the third quarter is when we're going to start looking at it. Today we do nothing with with leases. Okay. Strictly yeah. retail. And then yeah, yeah, go ahead. Luke, are there any other questions I missed? I, I, you know, um, this is very interesting to me, and I think we've gone over everything. You and I, I mean, you and I have talked about this. Uh, we've talked about this during 20 Group. I've talked to many people at Agora, and I believe I probably will end up getting the data because I want to see I want to see it for myself. Um, I don't think there's anything else, Jeff. I, I'm sure we missed something. but I, Steve, sure. if dealers want to learn more, if they do have more questions specifically, who do they get a hold of there? How, how, who do they talk to if they maybe want to get their DMS integrated and start looking at their data, or maybe they need a line of credit. I know that's a big thing for dealers. And if they can get hooked up with someone that will give them a respectable line of credit and not, you know, really take advantage of them, uh, who do they talk to? So a um, couple of things, go to our website. It's Agora, A-G-O-R-A data, D-A-T-A.com. And on our website, you know, you could you could look at all our different features and products, and and then there's a a place to fill out sort of for an inquiry, and and we answer all inquiries the same day. So if somebody fills out a submission form, they'll get a call back that day. They can drop me an email at ceo at agoradata.com, and I'll make sure they get handled, you know, immediately. Um, that's probably the best two ways of doing it. You know, we have a lot of folks and we're hiring even a lot more, you know, we got 30 job openings. So if, um, you know, I like to say that on a lot of the podcasts I do, and you know, we, we have 30 job openings right now for 2021 and don't have to be in Arlington, Texas, almost anywhere in the country. You know, a lot of what we do is, is remote work anyway. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's the best way is go to the website, agoradata.com. Mm. Wow, sounds you, good, Luke. Steve. Sell your portfolio to him and then go work for him. And then I'll go work for you. How about that? <laughs> that works. You know, or don't sell the portfolio, finance it, and you'll have like a residual income, That's you know, without even having to open a dealership. I, I like yeah. this idea. Maybe I can uh, get out that way. <laughs> yeah, right. think, think about this, guys. There is a reason that all the big groups, the Carvanas, the Drive Times, the JD Byrides, the Santanders, the Bank of America, the cities, and I could go on and on and on. There's a reason why they all are in the capital markets. And, and, and now the same exact capital is available to Joe's Auto Sales. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure, Luke. So glad you joined us. Please take a minute to leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. The Independent Dealer Podcast. Dealers helping dealers.